Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Think about our Christmas service here. You know, we have many, many emotions as we celebrate Christmas. They're all sorts. They run the whole gamut, don't they? But there is no emotion uh, so characteristic of Christmas than joy. Think about it. Uh, joy seems to be the predominant emotion uh, of Christmas. The atmosphere of Christmas is uh, usually filled with joy. The Christmas carols, the caroling, the music, the song, the thinking of gift-giving. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And the atmosphere is, uh, is one of joy. It's unusual in that when you think of the whole calendar year, there's not another time like it. And this, is ever, this has been ever since the case when the angels uh, first broke through the heavens and declared to the shepherds who were shepherding their sheep by night into the field on that first Christmas sermon where they announced the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, there in Bethlehem. Well, the angel said that night to the uh, shepherds, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Did you notice that? Great joy in that first sermon. For all the people for whom his favor dwells. Bless the Lord for that. Well, this is why we sing of joy so often in our, our songs. And we're going to close our, our time singing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Joy. There it is again. A wonderful theme of emotion. Well, I just want to make three quick uh, observations about the joy that is yours and the joy that is mine at this special time of the year, at the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I did a lot of reading this week for this, and uh, Dr. Boyce's writings and William Barclay's writings were very, very helpful, and uh, I would commend them to you. They were very instructive for me. Well, first observation as we think about this thing of joy. Joy, first of all, and you see it on your sheet, is so difficult to define. I mean, the Webster's Dictionary, it seems so sterile. And I put it on your sheet, it says, Joy is a vivid emotion of pleasure, to be delighted. But it seems so sterile if you think about it. I mean, what's that? That's without joy. That sounds sort of like a clinical definition of, of, of joy. And it, it doesn't exude or bubble forth with anything, does it? And so there, there goes the Oxford Dictionary, right? The reason why it may be so difficult is... Uh, there's really no counterpart to it. You know, there's no opposite. You, know, you really think about it. There's not. I mean, when we think of the, and we often define things that way, right? In sickness or in health, uh, 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 we may say another one is, and I, I wrote it down, where, where, where did I put that? Happy, sad. You know, if you're not happy, you're sad. But happiness is not joy, is it? Happiness is simply uh, things are going my way for this moment, 
and, uh, and I'm happy. That's not joy. Joy is an abiding thing. There's no opposite to it. So you can't, you can't provide distinction by way of definition uh, because there is no opposite. Joy, you see, is from God himself. It's produced by the Spirit of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace. The Spirit produces that in the life of a believer. Joy. Joy. And, and you know what? The source of it is God. The God who is unique provides us with this unique emotion, particularly at this time. You know what? Christians joy is found in God, and in the very heart of it is found in Jesus. Joy. What I want you to notice, second observation, is that joy is easily found throughout the whole Christmas story. Mark read the account in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, 1 to 20, and there are five uh, people or persons in this account, and I want to just show you just quickly with a glimpse the joy that God flooded the earth with at the birth of his son. The first is a heavenly joy, and we find that of the angels. They experience this joy, which is why they were giving praise to God. There in Luke's gospel, and we discover the angels singing, and we sang a little bit of that this morning. The angels, Jesus told that the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner who repents. Isn't that amazing? I remember Dr. Schaefer saying at Labrie, uh, their chalet there in Switzerland, that uh, the, really it was a beloved center where, where the gospel would uh, be uh, presented and, and those that were highly educated often, the intellectuals, and were struggling with the claims of Christ could gather at the chalet at Labrie. Some of you have heard of that. It's still there today in the ministry. And there was a period of time, he writes, that uh, uh, because the angels rejoice in heaven over the salvation of one, when one at Labrie would put their saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they would ring the bells throughout the chalet announcing another one has been born again. Because if the angels do it, we might as well rejoice here. And so we see the angels first, the first cast, of this wonderful scene are filled with joy. It's a heavenly joy, isn't it? Uh, I don't know what you would have thought if you were out in the fields and, and kind of like uh, the bottom of the bottom. You know, shepherds, we have such uh, wonderful thoughts about them, but they were not the scum of the earth, but they were the bottom of the ladder. And all of a sudden, they're looking up, and they had looked up how many nights at the stars and and heaven breaks open, and the angels are, are, are announcing in the sermon and praising God filled with joy. And if they are filled with joy over the salvation of one, the joy that was there in, in the giving of Christ the Lord who would provide salvation for the many. And so they exuded with great joy, didn't they? Well, there's nothing quite like this joy. Nothing like it. C.S. Lewis I have on your sheet, used the word to the title, his extraordinary autobiography. And some of you have read it, Surprised by Joy. And the reason he put that as the title was that he had never known joy in all his life. This brilliant man, this great writer, never known it until he was saved as an adult later in life. 
and the joy that filled his heart and flooded his soul. It was the joy of Jesus. It was the joy that the angels uh, uh, entered into on that, uh, that night so long ago. The joy. Well, usually things, as I said, are, are defined by the op- opposite, but not joy. Wow. Well, there's a, there is a, a, a second uh, group, and that is not only the angels, but the shepherds. There on that night, the angels break forth. Now you have the shepherds in focus. I've stood there outside of Bethlehem a number of times, and there's called Shepherd's Field. It lies low, and it was a traditional place where the shepherds would gather all their sheep and put them into a, 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 a protected area and by the gate. And they, they take turns laying by the gate, sleeping. Uh, the others would sleep, and the one was supposed to stay awake. And the shepherds. The shepherds exude with not a heavenly joy, but an unearthly joy that is theirs. For the text tells us in, uh, in, 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 in Luke chapter 2, where Mark read, that uh, they were filled with joy. The shepherds returned, that is, after having seen the baby and Mary, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told by the angels. You see, they might have missed this joy, thinking they weren't good enough. You know, a lot of people are like that. They don't think they're good enough. They don't think they're good enough to come to church. Can you imagine that? It's an amazing thing for me as a pastor. to hear people say, when you invite them, no, I don't think I, I, have, I have good enough clothes, or I'm not good enough to come. You know, it gives me a... A great opportunity to say that the church is the family of sinners, redeemed. You know, it's the only place I know where you have to confess that you're like scum of the earth to be a member. (laughs) Don't do that at Rotary, you know. Don't do that at some of the highfalutin places, but you're welcome here. You're welcome. Like Paul said, right? So, well, oh, wretched man that I am. Do you agree with that? Yes, I am. There's room for you. <laughs> the shepherds might have missed that. They heard this message and thought, well, man, we're not good enough. Who are we? You know, we're sort of the, you know, we're the bottom of the bottom, the scum of the earth. But they didn't, did they? They hurried off. They scurried off and made their way and ran to, to Bethlehem to to, uh, to find this thing that the angels had told them about, and we're, great, we're so grateful they did. Wow. Instead of dismissing the message, as they ran, they saw the baby, they returned, they glorified God, and they rejoiced. You know, I think maybe perhaps the reason they may have rejoiced so greatly was of the simple circumstances that they found the Lord Jesus to have been born and surrounded. I think it added to their sense of joy. You see, the Lord wasn't born in the palace. If you were God the Father, where would you send your son? I would have sent him to uh, maybe Buckingham Palace. I've been there. That's quite a place. My son, he ought to be born here, the God-man, Emmanuel. But he wasn't, was he? And if he had been born there, do you think that when they knocked on the door, they would have let shepherds into the, the palace? I don't think so. Get yourself in the stink and get out of here. Probably the word from the doorkeeper. 
It wasn't even the temple, right? They came to the knock on the high priest's door, and, and we hear the Emmanuel's born here. Yeah, we want to see him. We've been told about him. Get your sheep and get out of here. They would never got in, right? And even if, uh, even if the innkeeper had had room there and they knocked on his door there in Bethlehem, do you think the innkeeper would have said to the sheriff, come on in and see this thing that's happened? I don't think so. They didn't have room for Mary, and, uh, who's pregnant, and Joseph. And, but the Lord had his son to be born in a barn, a stable, and was lying in a manger with strips of clothing. King James, swaddling clothes. Never knew what that was. Strips of cloth they wrapped it. And, and you know, he was there for, for them to approach. He was, they were able to go right into that and to see Christ the Lord. He was, you see, he was accessible. That's a wonderful story there. Christ, you see, is not only for royalty. He's not only for the priests. He's not only for those that, that are, think they're righteous. He's, he's for the poor. He's approachable. He's accessible. Isn't that great? That's part of the great message of Christmas. I think it was part of the, their earthly joy that we have seen him. Even us. You know, even us. They let us in. I don't know where you stand uh, today in your relationship to Christ, but it doesn't matter what your strata in life is. You may be highly gifted and well-off and highly educated and all that. There's room at, at the cradle. There's room at the cross for you. It's for you. This is the one message for all people that should be for everywhere in the world. It's for you. And if you're somewhere in between or you feel like I'm on the bottom, and, and, and it's for you too. I mean, when you look at it from heaven's glory, are there any great? You say, well, he's a great person. Really? Think about it. Think about it. It's for all people everywhere. Oh, and I think that added to their their joy. There's a heavenly joy with the angels. There's an earthly joy with the shepherds. And it's, it's marvelous, it is. And I would urge you to come to Christ. If you've never come, come. He's not in the cradle anymore. He's the great conquering king. He's greater than General Patton. He conquered sin and death, and he lives. You can't see the the cradle without seeing the shadow of the cross. It hangs over it. He's a, he's a conquering king. The king of kings and the lord of lords. And the joy that exudes because of it. Come to him and be saved. It's not a matter of being good. Not a matter of being a member of a church. Not a member of being baptized. These things are all right in their place, of course. But you must confess that you are a sinner. That you're lost that the great mass of humanity is headed toward hell and God is calling out his remnant, his few. The fact that you're here today shows that God's been working in your life. No, cast your, your burden on Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in prayer. I receive you. The Christ of Christmas is my own Savior who died for my sin. I can't do it. I pray for every one of you if I could. That prayer, God will save you. He will. He promises you. And the only book he ever gave. Well, there's a joy in heaven. There's a joy on earth. But there's more. There's Mary, right? She had a profound joy. 
John 16, 21, the Lord tells of, and some of you ladies will say, that's right, you know, a, a woman in her time of giving birth. Oh, what a time that is, right? That's exciting. Some of you know that. Then you go through the labor pains. Now, it's better today than some days gone by. They have some anesthesia and some saddle block and all the rest. Give me some of that stuff, you know. <laughs> but there's still a pain with that. I saw Faithy go through all that three times. And with, with, with what they gave her, it was f- surprising. Only the first time, I didn't realize you go through all the pain, and then they finally give you something at the end, at least they did in our day. Right at the end, I mean, it's like running the mile, and you come the last 10 yards, and, okay, honey, do you want something? You know, like, and the last two with the boys, she just said, oh, forget it. I've already almost finished. I'm going all the way, you know. And the pain of that, you know, and the brilliancy of my daughter to say it, I, I said that before to you. When Jonathan was being born, she said, and she's about that high, she's saying, as we're getting ready to drop the kids off, I'm going to take her to the hospital. She said, oh, mommy, mommy, just remember, if Eve hadn't sinned, you would not have that pain now, mommy. <laughs> I was so proud of her. But I couldn't clap at that moment. I couldn't. I could not clap. I just, in the van, i got to drop you off. But that's true. But, and Jesus said there that after a woman has her, dirt, her baby born, right, then the text says that she's so utterly filled with joy because of the birth of a new baby, a new person, she's filled with joy. That's amazing. It's an amazing thing. I've seen gals in the hospital have a baby, and they'll go like, and they're already starting to talk about another one. It's like, oh, I can't get off. Thank you, Lord, that I'm a man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, that's what the Lord uh, said, and I have it on your sheet, Matthew 16, 21, that joy. And, uh, just uh, how much more type of a thing, how much greater must Mary's joy have been? If Jesus said after a woman gives birth, she has joy, how much greater to think of Mary's joy, knowing that she gave birth to the one who would be the Savior of the world. The text says that and Mary kept all these things in her heart, and she pondered them. Oh, hers, hers was a profound joy, I'm sure of that. But how about Joseph? He seems to be the one that's missed in the story, right? He's the one that... It's, it's the Lord Jesus, right? And then you have Mary, and uh, what's his name? Oh, Joseph. Yeah, he's sort, of, he's sort of missed. But I want to submit to you that his joy was an awesome joy. For remember, uh, months earlier, the angel had appeared to him. Remember when he found out that, that Mary was expecting, and uh, his hopes for the one whom he loved, and the one who he is betrothed to, and now it's what has happened here? And his life seemed to crumble and fall apart. And God, in his sweet grace, approached through an angel this man he calls righteous. He was a man who was redeemed. And he told him that what has happened to Mary was miraculous. Miraculous. It was a miracle. You know, we live in a world where people say, oh, there's no miracles. That's absolutely crazy. I tell people, go stay home. They're going to, be, they're going to hurt themselves. We live in a world that, of supernatural. God is at work. God is working. 
So, well, that's supernatural. That can be. Well, what is supernatural? Oh, supernatural means above the natural. Well, what's the natural? That's you and I. Are, can you do much? Not too much. On a good day, a little more. But not much. And supernatural is more than what little bit we're able to do. And God is able to do whatsoever. Nothing is impossible with God. This great miracle, the incarnation. And Joseph received a special visitation. Joseph, this thing that has taken place is by the Holy Spirit. This, this, this child that she is conceived with. And I want to submit to you that his was an absolutely awesome joy. As he heard that and saw that and cared for her, as they made the trek to Bethlehem, he took care of her, and now the child is born. And he stood by and watched all this. Awesome joy. Heavenly joy, earthly joy, profound joy, awesome joy. And finally, the last character in this drama of the birth of the King of Kings are the, are the Magi. I want to submit to you, that's an extravagant joy, is it not? The, these, uh, the, we sing, we three kings of Orient aren't. You know, I, we, you know where we, the text doesn't tell us they were, there, there were three. We get that because of the, of the precious gifts that were brought. The frankincense, the gold, and the myrrh. And so, oh, there are three. There must be one each. There must be three. And so they wrote the We Three Kings Christmas Carol based on that. There could have been more than that. And they weren't kings anyway. They were magi. Some of the translations puts it that way. Well, what's that mean? They were the intellectuals of that day. And God brought them. And you, you know where they came from? They came from modern, they came from probably from Iran. How about that? Persia, ancient Persian Empire. And they were months later, and they came to the city of Bethlehem. It was a miraculous leading uh, of the star. Don't be troubled by that. I think that star was similar to the Shekinah glory that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. Remember that? And it led them. I think it was the same thing. It led them to the, to, the, to the place of Bethlehem. And they came, and, and they were extravagant as they gave their gifts to, uh, to this newborn king and the joy that filled their soul. You know, uh, people that are, are educated are not supposed to be extravagant, are they? Reserved, quiet, never emotional, you know, stayed. Not these men. They were filled with extravagant joy for the king of kings. They were told there in Micah 5, 2, when they say, came in, where is this one that's born king? And they're like, king, we don't know where he is. And they search the word, and there it is in Micah 5, 2, five miles up the road of Bethlehem, Ephrata. There it is. The king would be born. And they went to him. Extravagant joy. Here we see again that the gospel is for all people, all people, from the, from the least, the shepherds, to the magi, the, the intellectual, and all the strata in between. It is the one Savior for all people. It's, he's for you if you've never trusted him. Oh, don't leave this place if you've not in the quietness of your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, you're my Savior. I, I'm telling you, you want to have a great Christmas. 
you receive Christ the Lord as Savior today, and your life will be forever changed. Even as we heard witness from our five testimonies. Well, well, the last, the third, and final observation of the joy produced by that first Christmas, urging us to rejoice at the birth of Jesus, is that joy is the byproduct of the gospel. You know, the words joy and rejoicing are found throughout the New Testament. It is a joyful book. Joyful, joyful, we adore him. The, the, the text is filled with joy from, from the New Testament beginning to the end. It's the, it's the worship of the victor, the conqueror, the glorious one, the Lord Jesus. Wow. Hey, joy is, is the most distinguishing atmosphere of a Christian's life. It should be that way. Paul said in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice. And joy, rejoice and joy are the, the same word in the Greek. Kera, it's a form of that. Uh, rejoice, be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Now, Paul wrote that when he was in prison. How about that? It's one of the prison epistles. Oh, I can't be happy. Look, oh, look what's happened. He's rejoicing. It's what God gives. It's a fruit of his spirit. It's the, it's the general theme of a Christian's life. Listen, if you know Jesus is Savior, you ought not to be walking around looking like you've been sucking on lemons. If you do, don't tell anyone you're a Christian. That'll, that'll hurt the cause. You know, we're revolutionaries here. We're not holding on. We're advancing. And we want to see the kingdom of Christ. People saved. The church is strengthened. Joy is what will do it. It's such a beautiful thing. Isn't it attractive? Don't you love to be around joyful people? That ought to be your life if you're in Christ. It ought to be. You know, ask the Lord to expunge any sort of sin or disappointment, and may the fruit of the Spirit fill you and flood your life. It's a general atmosphere of a Christian's life. And Paul, he uses the word, it's a command. And, it, and really, no matter what befalls us, the Holy Spirit produces this in us. And one man wrote, a joyless life is not a Christian life. It isn't. It isn't. And it's a great, uh, great thing because people, when you have the joy of Jesus in your life, people wonder, what's up with you? What, what are you drinking or smoking or something? What is up with you? It's a tremendous door opener. You have a chance to just save the love of Christ, that God saved a wretched man or woman like me, and, uh, and uh, he fills my heart with joy, washes me clean. Isn't that great to have a clean conscience? Holy cow. The joy of Jesus. No matter what befalls. Listen, as a pastor, I've had opportunity to bear witness to some godly folks who were not long for heaven. And a couple of them came to mind this week. I mentioned Tom Pollock before. Uh, Tom was a, a blessed man of God uh, who had had sorrow in his life, lived a long time in Harrisburg, uh, had the terrible, terrible circumstance of sitting on his front porch and watching his young son run out in the street and get run over and killed right before his eyes. And I remember with tears earlier, he told me about that. And uh, he was just a young, young boy. 
I also had the occasion to be at Holy Spirit Hospital when, when uh, I just, it was one of those things that God orchestrates a time, and I, I happened to walk in when the surgeon uh, came at that same time. I came in to see Tom and Betty, and uh, the surgeon walked in, and you could tell, I could tell the surgeon had some very bad news, and was very, you know, that's a tough thing for medical folks to, especially if they don't know Christ, they have to, to, to tell people bad news. My, I pray for my son-in-law uh, uh, every day uh, uh, that God would give him grace as an emergency physician. And people die there and heart attacks and car accidents and all that. And you have to go out and you have to talk to the family. And anyway, I was in the hospital room and the surgeon tells Tom that uh, he's lying in bed. Tom, uh, it, the results were not good. And uh, your liver is, is full of cancer. And we cannot do anything, Tom, to help you. And maybe the Lord had me there for me. And here I am recounting it again in my thoughts I often think about. And Tom uh, lightened the load of the doctor. And, and God gave him the strength to rejoice and have joy. And I thought his face lit up as he expressed the joy, the real joy of the Lord Jesus, and that he was soon going to go home, and that I'm going to see my son again. And I'm like, yeah. I, I got news, that's not natural. I have seen the whole other end of that spectrum. That's the Lord Jesus. That's the joy. That's the joy that he wants every one of us to have no matter what befalls us. And one other story quickly. When Faithy's mother was dying a few years ago with leukemia, she had been a widow about uh, f six years. In the last year, she lived for longer than they thought. She contracted leukemia. It was acute, but she lived like it was chronic. But then in the latter weeks, she struggled so much as she lie in that uh, bed and we would go to Philadelphia to see her. She was staying at her sister Ruth's home. And uh, uh, Jonathan would play his guitar and sing to her. And we would cry. And she would comfort us. She would comfort us with the joy and the love of Jesus and the glow on her face and the peace and the joy. I'm telling you, you cannot manufacture that stuff. The joy. The joy. I'm saying to you, the joy of Jesus, the joy because of Bethlehem, ought to be the predominant theme in your life, no matter what burdens you carry. And we all carry burdens. It's God within us who does that, the Spirit of God. If you know Him, it ought to be so. There's a second, uh, the fact that joy is the byproduct of the gospel, joy and rejoicing. And that is, there's great joy in Christian fellowship. Isn't that true? Isn't that great? Don't we love to be together as a family and gather with loved ones and those in the family? Some of you may, may not have anyone left in your natural family, but you're, you're in Christ, and so you have us, and this is your family. You know, there's, God did not make us to be isolated. You know, sometimes we wanna, I want to be alone, but God didn't make us that way. Most of the time, we get in trouble when we're alone anyway. 
But even in the story here, right, you have angels, right? There's a company. Then you have shepherds. And they have Mary and Joseph. And then you have the magi. It's plural. And the joy of Christian fellowship. And God gave us to each other, and we rejoice in that. And we're thankful indeed. From beginning to end, we see the third, that joy is in the gospel. From the beginning, we see it here as the angels announce it in the sermon. But then as you go through the gospel account, you discover it at the very end. Now there's an empty tomb. And the ladies are there to care for the body of Jesus and the angels. And the angels say, what do they say? Why do you search for the living among the dead? What a great question. What a great, as a professor, I thought, what a great exam question. Why do you search for the living among the dead? That's Jesus. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. And so they decide what? They decide to to hurry off, to give the report. And the text says they were afraid, yet filled with joy. I'm saying to you that the gospel from the beginning, the first sermon of the angels, to the very end on earth, it's one of joy because of Jesus. And finally, we see, D, that Christian work and witness produces great joy in us, doesn't it? It's great joy to serve the Lord and to bear witness to the loss of the salvation that's found in Jesus alone. Well, why is that? Why? You ever ask yourself why? When you serve in the nursery or Sunday school or behind the scene or, or you have opportunity to teach or small group or disciple or, or to go on a missions trip or to help in great or small ways, even a cup of water or preach a sermon, why is that? The, the reason is, is that, that God works when Christians open their mouth and when they work and serve. It's God in us. And, and the byproduct of that is such great joy. It is. When you and I bear witness to those that know nothing of the gospel that we know of, and, and maybe sometimes it's difficult and we feel rejected and all that, but God floods your heart with joy. You say, Lord, what is it? I, I feel so joyful because you bore witness for Christ. And he fills your heart with joy. There's joy in serving Jesus. Joy. That word that's hard to define. Joy. Because it's characteristic of God. And that's why we sing joy to the world, do we not? So this Christmas, let's rejoice. Let's be filled with joy and laughter, all because of these wonderful words today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, Christ the Lord. And shall we pray? Father, thank you so much for the gift of 